this. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, let's get it going. So, recently, I'm sure uh, a lot of you would have seen um, that a low-cost Argentinian airline called uh, Fly Bondi are going to be issuing tickets in the form of NFTs, right? Through the platform called uh, TravelX. Now, if some of you don't know, uh, TravelX is definitely probably the only one doing uh, NFT airline tickets. Um, so they're well ahead of the game. And clearly with a partnership like Fly Bondi, and they have almost 40, 50 airlines coming up, that is going to be a game changer. So that's going to be our first topic uh, where we're going to be discussing, you know, what this means for, well, both Web2, Web3, what are its impacts, how easier does it make the entire process, what are the pain points, uh, existing pain points in the Web2 world that it uh, actually solves. And then we're going to move to the next one, but I'm not going to reveal that for now, so just stay tuned. Maybe, maybe, maybe let us make this a little bit more interesting, right? So maybe... Let us start off with the first portion with Esteem arguing against NFT air tickets and then 10 going with supporting NFT tickets. Let's do that, shall we? Oh, man. I'm going to be honest. I'm be honest <laughs> I don't know if I can argue this point because I am a big, big fan of Fly Bondi opening this up. I'm actually just looking for the tweet right now that I can put to this but that's the whole point, a bit more context. It? That's the whole point, isn't it, Esteem? This, we 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 try to keep it fresh. We're gonna keep you guys on your toes. Like even though you do your homework, you gotta apply it in real life, man. Okay, wait, wait. Let's do this first. Let's let's talk about let's talk about the actual um content of this, yeah. so people understand. You know how big of a deal this is, or how small of a deal it is, depending on the um perspective that you have on this. So look, guys, I've pinned it to the very top of this tweet. Fly Bondi starting um you know, NFTs for their tickets. And so I want to ask you guys, why do you think this is such a big deal? Let's start with um, you tonight. Okay. So, well, interestingly, um, one of my clients uh, was a travel agency here in Dubai and one of the larger ones. And I've seen firsthand, essentially, how difficult running a travel agency is just purely because of all the technicalities involved in it, right? You have tons of regulatory issues. You have tons of systems that are running in parallel. You have issues with uh, fraudulent transactions, you know, duplicate tickets, etc. cetera. Um, and therefore, the, there is definitely a lot of pain points in the aviation industry. On top of that, I mean, if you look at it from a user perspective, what happens now is you're going to buy a ticket and then next thing you know, for whatever reason, you cannot travel on that certain date. That's it. You're gone. I mean, you're either not going to get a refund. You might get a 10, 15, 25% if you're lucky. But that's it. You really can't do much about the ticket. That's money lost on the table. Now, with um, having tickets issued as NFTs, that's the game changer, right? And they have actually mentioned this in the announcement that users can sell their tickets in a secondary market uh, you know, for up to two or three days before the actual flight. Now, that opens up a whole new world of possibilities, right? Now, I no longer have to be worried about booking a ticket uh, and not being able to fly. I know that there's a market for it out there. I could maybe even, you know, uh, speculate on it in terms of, okay, I'm going to buy it now and I might decide to sell it later when the tickets are higher. I mean, there are just so many possibilities. So for me, 
that's a, a real game changer for sure. And I really like that you brought that up because this is actually something that I'm facing right now. You know, having talked to the community so much and realizing, you know, that a big bulk of our community is within the Asian regions. I actually wanted to shift one of my flights so that I would be able to have a layover in Singapore before heading to uh, uh, my home country of Vietnam, right? But that's not something I can do because I went with a budget airline that doesn't allow uh, ticket transfers and also doesn't allow um, you to shift your dates in any way. And so there's an obvious gap in the market where these types of things are still happening with a lot of these smaller budget airlines. Um, another big talking point here is that this company, Fly Bondi, it's only been around since 2016, right? So they're not limited as a lot of the bigger um, flight, flight companies or agencies are. And so being able to implement this technology and being able to show how successful of a use case this is ultimately opens the horizons for every other company to come in and adopt this technology as well. As a forerunner, if this succeeds, I think the, the, the waves that will be built from this will be monu- monumental because there's no way we're going to see one of those bigger, um, those bigger countries, start, oh, not bigger countries, bigger flight companies starting this um, just because of how much technical debt they have and how much um, legacy systems they're running on. Here we go, Esteem. I think, I think the main issue that you're, you're wondering here, I think the main concern I would see why big companies would struggle to adopt such a technology would mainly come down to the regulatory side, right? Because as of now, as of today at least, right, there isn't any clear regulatory policy or framework governing NFTs and how a user or a customer or the company is being taxed and all of that mess, that legal mess that that's going to go along with it, right? So, in general, uh, it would be a good idea for most companies to take this on. However, I think on a bigger scale, and the big picture, companies would struggle to adopt such a technology only because of the regulatory, lack of reg- regulatory clarity, right? And also, I think NFT tickets solve one very, very crucial problem. I'm not sure whether you guys were big on travel prior to the pandemic. But I'm sure some of you might have experienced where a flight is overbooked, right? And then, god damn it, I'm stuck at the airport. I can't do anything. I can't fly. I can't do shit. I'm basically stuck in the airport even though it's no, no fault of my own. Through no fault of my own, I'm stuck at the airport. I paid for my ticket, yet these, these jokers are not putting me on the flight, right? So... That's that's actually pretty key because NFTs are all issued based on say a, based on a limited number, right? So say a plane only has seven hundred seats on board. I, I'm very sure that's not the right number, but let's just say it's seven hundred. But now you have full clarity to see who exactly buys the ticket and who exactly holds a ticket, and therefore you will then know whether there's these flights are in demand, not in demand whether you can plan your flight better. The list goes on and on and on. Right? But mainly, I think this really helps customers see that there is now no longer any overbooking and you won't get screwed when you purchase an airline ticket. I don't know, John. I don't think I would agree with that because I think this actually comes down to the predatory nature of these companies that are looking just for profit and to secure those profits. Even though they've locked in these, these tickets, 
there is there is still enough calculations and data in the back of their you know their companies suggesting that maybe four or five of these people won't show up and so that means they're losing out on money by not filling in these seats right and so each of these companies they want to make as much as much money as they can no matter what profit will always be at their forefront and so i don't think they will stop overbooking flights um this is something that's been going on since pre covid it's something that went even higher during covid and even now is something that ruthie and i almost encountered when we went to melbourne where we were the last two to get on a plane even though we were 30 minutes early yeah i mean um there are various issues that nfts could solve right but there are also the budgetary concerns where like you said ticket and airlines are definitely going to overbook just in case it doesn't sell out right it's it's very similar to how projects over allocate and it is just the nature of the game right but regardless of that the fact that you still have uh, a certain transparency that really changes a, a lot of things more than that i'd actually seen uh, just yesterday i believe someone had booked a ticket i think on travelex itself and for him the game changer was the fact that he could he didn't have to dox himself right um now of course i mean in the long run that might not be sustainable and of course people do need to know who's traveling in and out but he was able to buy it and sell it so i guess the way of the mechanism it is you know you can buy while not being doxed and then eventually when you need to register that certain ticket then you go ahead and you know dox yourself give your passport details whatever it is right but the very fact and for me the biggest thing is a secondary market uh having a secondary market um is unlike anything that exists currently uh many times where you have travel so let's say covid for instance right if you remember so a lot of uh plane tickets were being sold at 2x 3x 4x just because people were rushing to either go back home or to a certain country just because of the fact that there is no secondary market so it was all being sold on the black market in some manner or the other with a secondary market you're essentially removing that barrier and allowing open access right and i'm sure travelex or other companies that jump in um they're going to find a way where they're sort of mixing and matching so they're going to run it all on blockchain have uh, tickets issues uh, issued as nfts but also you know needing people to dox themselves right at the start essentially you know making it easier for normal web2 users to try and experiment at least with a different platform right we've all done it we've all gone from different booking websites to different just try and seeing what the fair difference is so when you pose a new solution there will be enough and more users as long as you know you don't have to complicate them with oh this is blockchain oh this is what this is what just tell them look this is a ticket and then you can sell it on a secondary market i think then that what you just mentioned right still has a long way to go just simply because at the current moment just setting up a web3 wallet is a complete and utter mess honestly speaking it's very difficult try convincing anybody who's above 50 to sign up for a web3 wallet my goodness is worth than doing tech support for them So I think we are still quite a long ways away for it for getting everybody in the airline industry to purchase a ticket online via blockchain of course that I'm not saying that it won't happen I'm saying that we still have some way to go but of course it is a innovation in the right step right and that's what we all care about right 
where we take these baby steps forward slowly but surely and we get to our destination. Yeah, tonight I actually wanted to ask more about what the mechanics of buying this ticket is. You, you did mention that, you know, they don't mention anywhere that it is an NFT. Is it as simple as purchasing it on, you know, using your credit card or um, would you need a wallet still to purchase this NFT, uh, to purchase this, this ticket? So interestingly, after I'd read this announcement, I did go on to TravelX's website. Um, and for whatever reason, I couldn't see Air Bondi's tickets being issued. And I think just because the announcement just came out, it's going to take some time until they actually formalize and put it up on their system. As of now, they're running auctions on, um, what is it, Madrid to Miami tickets? Which is uh, definitely an expensive flight because, you know, it's halfway around the world. Um, but regardless, uh, I did see an announcement where the first such NFT ticket in the world, NFT airline ticket, was sold for almost a million dollars, right? Um, so for now, it's only auctioning. So it will be interesting to see how they change the game. Um, maybe certain users have uh, an access to it separately. Uh, no idea, to be honest. But I do think there will be a mix and match. I don't think he would, uh, the founder would end up restricting it uh, to only buying it with cryptos, but also being able to buy it through credit cards or any other mode of payment, right? Again, just to increase adoption. Beautiful. I've actually just Googled it, and it seems that you can purchase the tickets on the platform using the TravelX wallet, which can be, which, which you can actually finance using Binance Pay. Um, and the company is in talks to integrate other exchanges. And I think what how I interpret this is TravelX may potentially create each person their own wallet with instructions for them on how they want to fund that, whether that be with credit card or whether that be with, um, you know, an exchange that you have. I think for the Web3 natives, for the NFT natives, uh, crypto natives, that'll be an easy process for them. For the wider audience, the general public, I think they might just end up going with, you know, credit card payments that will be on-ramped onto crypto and then purchase the NFTs that way. It's definitely going to be interesting to see. I did a quick browse through, right? And then I saw that they actually have a full-fledged application. They have a full-fledged platform that's in place. So I think the better, I, the better question to ask is what level of customer experience or what level of obscurity of that blockchain technology is required so if you if you just very quickly search up travelx.ai uh, by just going to their website you could very easily see that it appears like any other mobile application right it appears almost like as if it's like a hotels.com or a booking.com so what's interesting is that what i realized is that people care that it works not that what it works by Correct. Like, Steve, I'm not sure whether I'm not sure whether you agree with this, but people only care about the end product nowadays, right? Or maybe ten. I'm not sure whether you guys uh, have any thoughts on that. Yeah, I definitely do agree. I don't think people understand or appreciate the underlying technology and the potential use cases as much as you know the contrarians like ourselves do. What they want to be seeing is that level of comfort from um, potentially experiencing the uh, ease of using that technology, but not necessarily what the actual well, what 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 actually goes on in the backgrounds. So I do yeah. yeah, I agree too. Uh, 
you, the user interface, the UI UX would have to be so clear that you know you don't feel like you're dealing with NFTs and uh, blockchain technology. And that actually brings me back to Recur, if people remember the Nickelodeon drops. Um, essentially, like you were saying, esteemed, right? Where you have a wallet that gets funded uh, on the website itself. So on Recur's website, for instance, and then you're just buying and selling on their secondary market. And it does seem um, that a lot of these Web2 companies that have products or services, well, let's call it products, right, to offer, all of them may, be, may end up running their own marketplaces uh, for a certain level of control. It could be due to regulations um, or it could be just, you know, ease of access and not needing people to, you know, go on OpenSea, et cetera, um, which is not a bad step, right? It's not a bad step because a lot of people who did come on to Recur, for instance, did eventually look into what the technology is, did end up reselling on OpenSea, et cetera, wherein we did see a lot of volume. So that could be a natural progression from having their own wallets to then having it uh, as a proper Web3 MetaMask wallet. But you know, um, what else is interesting? So I was looking at the platform that TravelX was using. And what was interesting was the fact that they'd gone with Algorand rather than having it on Ethereum, which anyways, I'm sure most of us would have agreed with that thought process anyways, with the insane gas fees, et cetera. But interestingly, Algorand is definitely one of the most um, eco-friendly blockchains out there. And therefore what TravelX essentially did was you know analyze what the existing pain points are and aviation industry does face a lot of pushback on their carbon emissions right and then try to also bring that and bridge that gap by using a suitable uh, blockchain like algorand right which shows that you know you got to mix and match you got to see what your pain points are what web3 offers what different solutions are there in the market and then try and uh, deliver the best overall experience for Web3 uh, and Web2 users. Ten, do you really think that Algorand is going to be more eco-friendly than Proof-of-Stake Ethereum then? Because I, I have the feeling that it might, it might draw closer down the line, right? Because everybody knows about the merge, everybody knows that the shift towards full Proof-of-Stake will definitely reduce energy consumption. So... I don't know. What are your thoughts, Esteem, and that Algorand is the choice instead of Proof-of-Stake Ethereum? No one? <laughs> ten, ten, I'm going to let you take this. I don't have too much background on Algorand, and I'm not going to pretend that I do because that will make us look uh, a little bit silly. <laughs> oh, I mean, again, um, Algorand, and I think uh, what had happened was when TravelX was launched, it was with Ethereum be being on the Proof-of-Work uh, blocked uh, proof of work consensus mechanism, and therefore they had gone with Algorand. Um, now, I mean, now with you know 99.9% less carbon emissions on ETH, it could be interesting if they move. But to me, I mean, yes, carbon emissions is one thing, but then again, it's also about your basic issue with Ethereum uh, is your gas fees, right? Um, and maybe that's also another reason for them using Algorand. And, you know, by that logic, you could you could actually use any of the other uh, solutions. Um, 
but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it it was uh, an interesting uh, chain. Um, oh well, switch essentially. John, stop stop asking such uh, complicated <laughs> questions. Jeez. Tonight, tonight, for the clueless people like myself in the crowd, what is the comparative gas fees with you know an Ethereum transaction versus an Algorand transaction? Hold up. You know what I'm doing right now? I'm actually Googling that. Oh, okay. Maybe to clarify, maybe to clarify, right? Uh, proof of stake Ethereum does not reduce your gas fees. I'm not sure if anybody has noticed yet, but we are like, what? two, three weeks into the merge at this point. Uh, maybe it's in a month damn, I, I'm not even keeping track of time anymore co- coherently. But I'm sure that none of our gas fees has come down. So I'm pretty sure that there must have been some really interesting thoughts put into it, right? To to really consider Algorand instead of ETH or maybe some other chain like Solana because of their blazing speeds or, or whatever other chain, right? There's so, so many chains out there. Uh, a company could just choose, pick and choose from what they think is a priority, correct? But I want to ask this question, Esteem. From your point of view, as somebody who's building a project, right? Do you think that the approach that TravelX did here to try to get airlines to integrate more NFTs was the right way to do it? Or do you think that there's a separate way that they could do it better? I am completely in support of their decision. And this goes back down to the fact that a lot of the bigger players can't implement these um, these type of technologies until they know that there is proof of it working. And so we really do need to be depending on these smaller companies that are a lot more agile, that are a lot more in tune with um, uh, technological developments to be proving the success of these uh, underlying technologies. And so this is actually something that I believe very strongly in terms of mass adoption, that in having these small companies prove this, it will lead us so much quicker towards mass adoption. And it's the same thing with all of the big countries as well. You're not going to see the US, you're not going to see Australia, you're not going to see either of these countries adopt this technology before one of the smaller countries like the UAE um, adopts it. And so once those, um, those countries prove that this works, that there is definitely a use case for it, that all of the um, kinks are ironed out, then we can start transitioning towards you know, a brighter, brighter, brighter future where crypto technology is the forefront, is, is, is everything that represents the technology we're going to be using tonight. Yeah, and you're right. I mean, um, if you see... Um, Etihad's announcement wherein they released NFTs, right? Now, their NFTs was more linked to their loyalty programs. But at the very least, it does show that they do want to enter the market in some manner or the other, which means Etihad is one of the biggest players in the travel industry. So people are shying away from it. But then based on TravelX's announcement with, you know, 60 airlines on boarded in the next six months, it would be interesting to see how many he actually ends up getting, um, you know, if it's 60 or less, uh, and what those airlines are. At the end of the day, you're right. Uh, having these smaller airlines sort of trial and test these mechanisms and seeing that it is offering a certain value uh, will allow the bigger players to get in. I'll be very honest, though. I'll be very honest. Having, you know, seen how a travel industry operates, 
and the number of middlemen there minting money i mean making millions essentially there's going to be a huge pushback because think about it right you essentially anyways travel agencies are not needed in the current ecosystem right with online booking platforms now you're essentially looking to even remove those online booking platforms or maybe have these online booking platforms integrate into the blockchain um wherein they will lose a lot of money because now there's a secondary market right people don't need to essentially buy a ticket because um they're forced to they can buy it off secondary um or you know all the fees that are being cut out because it's a more cost effective solution so there's definitely going to be a lot of pushback um so it'll be interesting to see how it shapes up uh, in the future uh and and where it takes us Oh, and I definitely agree with you on that point. This secondary market mechanic is going to be so so interesting just for the fact that look, now that I'm thinking about it, the DJ meta is out. We're out here flipping flight tickets now, right? That's where we're going. This is where we're evolving to. And everything that comes past, whatever new market there is, there is going to be money to be made and there's going to be money to be lost, right? You might be able to find like a flash sale where someone really needs to get rid of a ticket as quick as possible and they've come to their um, like well they've come to accept that, you know, if they don't sell this, they lose all of it. So they might as well sell it for a tiny bit and still get it, right? And so if you're in that perfect situation where you're scanning the markets at any one time and you think that, you know, this is something that you want to do, you want to travel this to this country uh, and you're down to do it last minute, then boom, you've gotten yourself an amazing amazing deal. And I I think those are going to lead to some of the best stories in the future, which is going to lead to even more adoption when people start to understand that the only reason this is possible is because they have implemented NFT technology. Okay, so maybe we've been rambling on and on about airlines for like the past half an hour maybe it might be a better time to move on to the next one right the next topic that we have on the agenda today on the list or whatever is the tokenization of real estate so uh, for all those in the audience that don't know what we're talking about uh, what in particular that i personally think that tokenization of real estate means is just the fact that you could take a piece of real estate and you could basically break it up into a million pieces not literally but on the digital space right and then you let people co-invest of sorts so every like let's say if you have a piece of real estate worth $100,000 you could theoretically split that $100,000 up into $1,000 chunks and have 100 people purchase that and then based on the real estate market the value of the house would go up and down then we could all have that value all grow up together so esteem what are your thoughts on tokenization of real estate oh man i think this is a very natural transition especially how we were talking about the real use cases of this in an nft uh, in a flight um agency now moving on towards other use cases of nft technology i think look i have a commercial real estate background um a finance background as well and i think that the use cases are so much greater than being able to break them down into tokens right it spans pretty pretty expansively right you can have you know the ownership the settlement uh, mortgages everything accelerated to like no ends um and if you've worked at any bank in the past you understand how long it can take up to months right up to months securing that debt finding you know purchases finding sellers matching the two going through a settlements platform but back to your question on the tokenization i actually think it's super powerful for the fact that right now a lot of the rate rates reits um 
I invested in, you know, global, 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 on a global scale. But let's say you want exposure to certain neighborhoods, to certain types of properties, whether it be commercial, industrial, um, or residential, or you want to be invested in a specific place in the world, then look, having a tokenized um, portfolio uh, that is fully diversified, but to your specific liking is definitely possible with tokenization. I don't know about full tokenization of real estate because there's always going to be that issue, right, where we will start to see the blending almost of real life and the digital space, right? How, I mean, we all, all of us know that the blockchain is immutable. We can't change the data on the blockchain, yada, yada, yada. But how would I know that I own this piece of real estate? Can you want to have well, a stab at this? Well, I mean, of course. Um, to be honest, that's exactly how, right? Exactly how. So to to set some context, um, about three or four years ago, there was a company called Serva, uh, or uh, yeah, Serva, I think, that launched in the UAE, uh, a fintech company, essentially. And what they offered was real estate tokenization, right? So they would buy the property based on the contributions received from its various members they would have essentially the whole uh, analysis, research done into the yield, how much they're going to make out of the appreciation or rental, etc. Right now, I bought into it. Right, I bought into one of the properties in a good uh, neighborhood. But what did I get out of it? Essentially, I know that I own it, but it's just on the app. That's all it is. Right, but with an NFT, right now I have that proof. It is something that I can see. I can't necessarily, you know feel it but i i can definitely see it i can definitely hold it and now again secondary market comes into play right wherein you can now take this and sell it further right now with this app that i was talking about all you can do is purchase it and then let it sit either you make those returns that are being promised of five to six percent or you wait for the land to be sold and you get back uh, the appreciated value right um but with an NFT, you can do all those things, but you can also sell it on. You don't want to hold it. You need liquidity. You can sell it on. Gone. Done. That's it. Right. And to me, that's, again, the game changer. Right. And by the way, this, the, the, this app has proven to be quite popular in a place like the UAE already. Right. So we're already halfway there in terms of tokenization. It was so good that I was hoping to set up something similar in places like India as well, where such Ten. technologies don't exist. Ten, maybe just out of curiosity's sake, maybe within your own social circle, how popular is that application that you're talking about? Because I don't live in Dubai. I don't live in the UAE. Yeah. So I, yeah. I wouldn't yeah. know what, how popular it is. So good question, yeah. Uh, in the UAE, a lot of people do gravitate towards buying real estate, right? Now, of course, those are the bigger players, people who have deep pockets, or at least, you know, decide to take a mortgage for it, right? And therefore, in general, people are, uh, people are gen generally really bullish on the real estate market. They've seen huge appreciation and value, huge yields essentially from rentals, etc. And therefore, when this technology was introduced, people said, you know what, why, why are we spending $100,000 on a new property for exposure to only one property, essentially, when I could split that into multiple investments into multiple properties and diversify my risk right so in my circle for instance there were 
a fair few people who were already investing in the real estate who decided to invest uh, using this technology as well, right? And it's been a huge success since then and continuing even now. John, let me tell you now. Um, after a quick Google search, there are 145 million Americans who own REITs, right? Real Estate Investment Trust. That alone is already a market in its own that NFTs can start to take market share from. And this isn't, this isn't looking to every single person that has real estate interest to add towards their portfolios. This is only a very small subset of people who understand REITs enough to invest in them. So the obvious market for this is so, so much bigger than that. Yeah, I mean, not just REITs, um, you know, REITs, when you go down towards explaining, I'm sure people will, will be a little bit confused about that. But think about it from this aspect, right? What is the safest investment that anyone would say? You speak to any traditional investor, what are they going to say? They will always have a single answer, real estate. I mean, my dad's been hogging me for the past, I don't know how many years, that buy real estate, buy real estate, buy real estate right? Because that will always appreciate because that's a finite supply, right? And now I, I have exposure to it at a much lower capital intensive level, right? So that's, that's really the game changer wherein people can diversify their own portfolios, whether they're a startup, seasoned, you know, mid-seasoned investor by having this uh, little exposure to the real estate market. Actually, maybe maybe let me give some context to maybe some of the people in this current space, right? That we don't necessarily have the best risk management strategy. But just for the record, I'm somebody who not only am I invested in crypto, not only am I invested into ETH and BTC and your coins, I've also recently started investing in the traditional markets as well, right? Because um, if you don't buy it when... Daddy Powell's just destroying the markets. I don't know when you're, I don't know when's the better time, right? So out of curiosity, I went to look up, uh, like Esteem was mentioning earlier, right? I went to look up uh, real estate and probably a fund that I could buy into. And you're right, Esteem, it was like 5 to 6% dividend yield over a year. Now, my, my question for both of you, I, I think this applies more to 10, right? Because he's already an investor in that application. I'm just wondering, how how much was your return on that investment? I mean, you don't necessarily have to give us a like a full quoted, quoted figure, but just an estimate, just to let people know how, how powerful the tokenization of this asset has become. Maybe just give our audience maybe a little taste of how that application works. By the way, I'm not selling this product. I'm not trying to show you guys on it. I'm just <laughs> trying to find out more information. Uh, of course. Uh, so, so the going was good in in the year that I bought it because that was before COVID when things were looking good and then COVID hit and at which point rentals went down, there were people leaving, etc. So of course the returns on it, you know, at least in the first year and on a general estimate, right? The returns are ranging between five to let's say six, seven, eight percent. Eight percent is higher, but yeah, you can say about five to six percent, right? That's your estimated average generally on any uh, real estate uh, property, right? But people, you know, don't really just buy for that, of course. For them, they're more concerned with the price appreciation eventually, right? And to me, the other aspect of tokenizing using NFTs and blockchain is how we can have a DAO structure around it. Now, 
by the way, this app essentially, um, it's being it's being governed by the let's call them fund managers, right? Who are essentially taking the decision when to buy, when to sell, etc. But with the DAO structure, you're now changing the game again. You're now allowing all your investors to have a vote on when something needs to be sold, whether they want to rent it out or not, which means people are more involved. People actually feel like they're a certain investor uh, rather than just, uh, you know, passive income, which is fine, right? But being heavily involved, that increases uh, the value of holding that little piece of land. Mm, so tonight, first of all, first of all, I'm extremely jealous that, you know, your property uh, yields over there are 5% plus in Australia where I am. Uh, a lot of the property around Sydney is sitting around 2 to 3% yield. And that is not an amazing investment decision and is a reason why I have refra- refrained from purchasing property earlier this year. But look, back onto that point of DAOs, I, I don't know if I agree with you on that one for the fact that these fund managers, they have the tools, they have the information. There's like a huge, huge, huge information asymmetry with these fund managers and the general investor. For example, if... Um, a property that I was going to invest in here in Sydney, right? I wouldn't have the information that they have. For example, if they knew people in the councils or uh, government positions that knew some area of land was going to be either redeveloped or rezoned for better purposes uh, and ultimately understood that property values were going to increase as a result of that, they would be using that information for the investment, right? We won't necessarily get that from a group of individual investors in a DAO. You're right. Uh, For me, the DAO aspect was more towards the governance aspect, right? The voting rights, essentially. Now, of course, you can have, uh, let's call it a DAO manager, right? Someone appointed collectively by the group um, who understands the markets, who is a major player, who's well-connected, call it what you want, right? Essentially playing the same role as previously. The only difference is that he's not able to single-handedly take the decision, right? Now it's a voting uh, voting mechanism, and that's the change, right? No, you I, would, of course... I agree on that. I think now that you're allowed to decide when to sell or when you want to exit and find enough other people that want to do the same, then that, that possibility is entirely open. Whereas before that, this was entirely, entirely left up until the fund managers. And you don't get a say in that. You know, you invest into it. You might even get a lockup period. Uh, there may be a period where you can't just sell anything whatsoever and you're tied down. And, you know, maybe something comes up in your life. Maybe you need to pay for some hospital expenses. Maybe something comes up and you need to pay for, you know, uh, college or whatnot. You wouldn't be able to take those funds out to reinvest them where they would be better utilized. So maybe an interesting topic that we are, since we're on, we are on the train of thought about holding an asset for a long term, right? Maybe this is like a natural progression into the next, maybe another big up. What do you guys think about holding long term for, for things? I mean, in particular, right, when, as we're talking about real estate, that makes the most sense, right? Uh, especially, I'm not, sh- I'm not sure about your individual countries, but for me personally in Singapore, the, the average home prices have absolutely skyrocketed. Like, it's almost to the point that people are like, complaining about it on a daily basis because public housing is just getting ridiculously expensive. So maybe 
like 10. I'm, I'm not too sure because you've mentioned that the application was running since pre-COVID times, right? Uh, or maybe esteemed, you can talk about it. What are your thoughts on holding such, an, such a token or such an investment for such a long time? I would think that over a long period of time, it might compound pretty well, no? Yeah, no, and I agree with that. Like, I can only speak to real estate in Australia because that's what my forte is. But over the 2020 to 2021 period, Sydney property prices appreciated by 21%, right? And holding it over that period, getting returns Jesus over that, potentially selling during that period would have been insane. Like, I have one friend, he didn't get the full 20% return, but he bought his house at the very start of 2019, um, that was, you know, the peak at the time. He got his house, two bedroom, 850K. When he got it revalued towards the beginning of this year, it was already 1.1 million, which is pretty insane, right? Oh, it was around there. I can't remember if it was completely that full amount, but look, it increased an insane amount and he bought in a really great location as well because before COVID, none of the, you know, amenities were there yet. But but by the time it got to the uh, beginning of this year, you know, there were pools, there were football courses, um, there were companies and businesses slowly moving into that location. And so if you hold it over a long period of time, that generally averages out because you can't think of, you know, returns on real estate year on year. You need to be thinking about them over an extended period of time because that's when it starts to uh, reach like a, a stable, stable growth. One year it might grow 5%, one year it might drop 5%, another year it might grow 20%. But overall in Australia, it generally evens out, averages out to be about like 6-7%. So exactly. Um, and I share a similar experience. So my friend was essentially asking me to buy into a certain property uh, where it was valued at about 800 dirhams uh, per square meter. Now that's about, let's say, $200, right? Uh, and this was uh, about three or four months after COVID hit. Now, he's a seasoned investor, so he knew how to get in at the right time. I completely faded that. Now that uh, that property is worth about 1,100, uh, you know, 1,100 terms or about, what is it, 300, uh, $300, uh, $300, $350 per square meter, right? So you're looking at a 50% appreciation in about a year, year and a half, Right. So that's huge. I mean, to be very honest, unless you played the crypto markets well, you probably didn't make that much, right? Uh, so to me, that just seemed like a better investment and I should have gotten at that point. Um, but uh, it is it is uh, a good market to get into and to be able to see these uh, sort of potential. And by the way, there, there is actually already companies that are doing this, already projects that are uh, tokenizing tokenizing real estate using NFTs. To me, the possibilities are endless. Like imagine a pool, right? Imagine you have a, let's call it a liquidity pool for lack of a better term, right? Wherein you own a portion of, uh, of a certain land, but you want to swap it for uh, two portions of another land just because you feel the other land might uh, appreciate even more. I mean, all of those things you can't do right now. But all of those things would be possible with NFTs and blockchain. But Ten, do you do you think that that kind of encourages like the gambling aspect of the tokens? Because as we all know, right, our, the NFT space, especially, we are so used to gambling. John, I think you just muted yourself.
I think John got drugged. Oh no! Look, oh, let me take. <laughs> I was actually going to mention something similar to that, but on a different vein. So yes, there is that gambling component, John, but I don't think it's going to necessarily be the same because the risk tolerance of people in the NFT space is significantly higher than people looking to invest in property. Right? These people are looking for safer returns. They're not looking at like you know one ETH profit in two and a half hours. Right? These guys are looking for something that's sustainable. Um, and I think the education around that is significantly different when you're comparing the two. But what I wanted to bring, and I think this will be the last topic that we discussed for today, is do you think this is good for the individual house owner? Because what this means is that there are a lot more people entering this space with a pool of funds that will re effectively reduce or increase demand and effectively reduce supply. And so in bringing about this type of technology to allow more investors into the space, can you see that owning a house as an individual purchaser becomes even more attainable than it already is? I apologize for the prior rug, but maybe just, maybe just to give some, some idea, right? It really depends on your locality. So, for example, say if you bought your house in the middle of somewhere, some rural area in America, or I don't know, some other place where the prices aren't as high, that tokenization might not make as much sense. So, I think when you do this kind of tokenization of assets and all of these, like fundraising essentially, right, you're almost doing like a GoFundMe for a particular investment, right? What that does do is that it, of course, drives up a huge amount of demand because what ends up happening is that people will see hey a piece of a pe an apartment in New York is going up for let's say for a share for a token in that apartment for a thousand dollars and people will be like hey if it's gonna buy out it's gonna go up in the long run and I'm going to be holding on to this asset for the long term I wouldn't mind paying for a thousand dollars now to hold a piece of New York real estate but you have to wonder as well, right? Because ultimately, all this is a whole speculative kind of game, right? You are ultimately gambling on whether or not uh, developments get made in that neighborhood and the list goes on and on and on, right? And what, what I personally feel is that homes should not be used as a primary investment vehicle. Yes, there may be some aspects that can be done, but ultimately, homes are meant for living in there's also a portion that's for investment, but mainly they should be used for living in because if not, it just creates that whole speculative bubble, you know. Yeah, one more thing to add on to that, John. I don't think it can necessarily be construed as a degen type of, you know, speculative gambling type of uh, vehicle for the fact that even though we're tokenizing this, it doesn't mean that it comes without a cost, right? We're still going to have to pay interest. We're still going to have to pay principal, uh, depending on, you know, whatever agreement that housing purchase is. And so it's not a one, like a one-off payment to have ownership on this type of property. If you're purchasing it on mortgage with like, you know, a host of other people or under a fund, you're still going to have to pay the interest on it. And that's a liability that you have to continue to hold on to. But why this is powerful now is that if you can no longer meet those interest repayments, you can now sell that off to someone else that is able to and that does have more belief in the uh, the value appreciation of that property. Yeah, and I would disagree with the DGN comment as well, purely because if you see the, the mindset of the investors in the NFT market, no offense to anybody at the end of the day, but 
essentially it is that we're looking to gamble we're make looking to make a quick flip and move on to the next project right which is fine it's the nature of the industry for now but when you talk about real estate things change people suddenly get afraid people suddenly uh you know think about it twice before even entering it because it's a far too alien concept for most of the general public i mean to give you context right I come from a family of finance professionals and even then real estate doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um so uh for me to get in I did definitely do a lot of research. So when people get in the ticket sizes itself will not be something where they can gamble on but gamble to a certain extent where yes it provides liquidity while also allowing you to hold it if you desire to do so uh for the you know foreseeable future. uh so definitely a huge potential all right guys gently gentlemen it's been an it's been fun it's been entertaining to be chatting with you beautiful beautiful gentlemen thank you so much for all the past 30 minutes that we spent together thank you very much then thanks john thanks for being an amazing host as always Thank you very much Esteen for being the wonderful surgeon's account holder of the day. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> thank you guys. All right, I guess we're wrapping this up now. So don't forget to follow us on all our social media accounts so for surgeons to follow the at surgeons account. Don't forget to follow surgeons hub and if you guys need an invite into the discord feel free to drop any of us a DM or a private message or just ping us. Anyway, we are always available for you guys. Thanks so much for joining us today. We'll see you guys around in the Discord or anywhere else. Bye-bye. Beautiful. Thank you guys. Cheers. See you all next time. Thank you everyone. Take care.